When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under Wednesday Pop Noodle. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight we've got a couple of ringings from our usual Monday show. We've got Anthony and Paul. How are you doing Anthony? I'm very well Jared. I'm very happy to be popping my Pot Noodle cherry tonight. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to happy to be here and talk all things Celtic. And how are you Paul? Back for round two. I am back. It's nice to be back. Um... Yeah, just keeping myself ticking over until we get games and the like. And uh, just nursing a bit of a man cold at the moment. So it's hopefully going to shrug that off because I've got quite a big weekend planned. Uh, I've got a trip down to just little little Fremantle, got an overnight stop down there and good night out with some mates. So hoping to shrug that off in the next day or two. If only you knew a good pharmacist day. Eh? I've been to my pharmacist today, actually. Uh, Dose me up with some chesty cough medicine and some good old fashioned paracetamol. So that's that's what. In other I'm words, like he's told you to go to Bunnings, get some cement, and harden up. That's what that sounds like to me. Hey, uh, Liam should be joining us at some point today as well. So we'll uh, once he's once he's on, we'll add him to the mix. But yeah, we've got some comments here. So Alistair Jack, morning boys. Martin saying there must be some big news coming. Uh, we got. Andrew saying Paul's got one of Liam's shirts on. There it is. Spotted it straight away. And Paul, how hail, hail, mate. Thanks for tuning in again. Mickey Moynan, Celts down under select squad. Exactly, that's what it is. We're just getting, rotating the, the lineups a bit at the moment. So, um, yeah, we've got a bit to talk about tonight. So we'll crack straight into it. I had a topic 
ready to go for Liam straight away and he's not on here. So we'll jump to our second one instead and we'll talk about Calmac signing a new five-year extension at Celtic. So go to you first, Anthony. What's your thoughts on that contract extension? And for me, my first thoughts are, will this contract make him the highest earner within Scotland? Um, definitely at Celtic. Um the Huns pay stupid money, so I don't I wouldn't necessarily guarantee it being the uh the highest paid player in Scotland because you know they like to throw money away on duds. Um I think it's it's a positive sign. Uh, a couple of reasons. So one, um, if we are offering an extended bumper contract to Calmac, then that says to me that there's intention maybe to sign players that would have broken our wage structure potentially so quite excited over the next couple of weeks to see what develops there in terms of new signings and i know we'll sort of touch a bit on that a bit later on and the second thing is that it's really important not to take people for granted and cal max being part of the furniture at celtic for quite some time he's a treble winning captain now he deserves to be rewarded for that and shown that loyalty he's a player that could slot into the midfield of just about any premier league club down south um, so I think it's important that we reward that. And the way I look at it is it's a bit like when you sign up to a, a service like a, a telco or a, a streaming service or whatever, when you're a new customer, you get 12 months free or discounts and all this benefit. But once you're an existing customer, you tend to get treated pretty poorly and you're just expected just to renew and just whatever. So I think Celtic's actually done something quite clever here and actually you know, showing loyalty and rewarding loyalty. I think that's very, very important. And like I said, if this leads to bigger and better things in terms of the squad in general, then watch out because exciting times are ahead. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Anthony. Like for me, I was saying that in the group chat in particular, I was saying like when um, we're being linked with certain type of players that it'd be great to bring in these guys like um, McTominay and Ryder and these sort of blokes, but going to want more than everyone else and if you're the captain of the club someone who's been there for you know as long as Calmac has you're going to want to you know you'd, you'd think the captain to get paid the most so for me like we know Bruni had a, a thing in his contract that if someone came in on more he'd automatically get bumped up to that level it's been discussed and reported everywhere so it's pretty much I don't know if it's true but it sounds sounds legit to me and um yeah, it's good to think, you know, if Kelmac's getting his pay bump and five-year contract and everything like that, well, that's going to be good for him long-term. And then, yet, as you touched on, which we'll throw to you, Paul, for your take on Kelmac's contract and that, what will this, as Anthony mentioned, will the new contract at a higher wage, will that adjust our pay structure so that we can afford to bring in a few, you know, marquee signings earning more than the majority of the rest of the squad. What are your thoughts on that, Paul? Yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, if we do, you know, Brennan Rogers comes in and says, you know, effectively says we need to push on in Europe. If we're going to do that, we've got to break the wage structure. We don't, <laughs> want to be, we don't want to be daft about it. Obviously, we've always run the club well, but this is a, there's a real opportunity here to kick on. Um, and, you know, strengthen from a position of power, which we've, as a fan base, we've long bemoaned the fact that we've neglected to do that more than once in the not too distant uh, past. So I think from that point of view, it's absolutely um, 
well, I certainly hope it's a statement of intent. Um, I think it probably is. Um, in terms of, I think it's interesting. It's five years, right? So he, Carl's just turned thirty, um, and and to give somebody a, the biggest contract of their career, which is what we expect it to be, taking them all the way up to thirty-five. Um, typically, in a midfield, you would think you know they could be you know their legs could be starting to go by the end of that. But I think we know that if Carl stays fit, you know the amount of games he's played a season on season on season and continues to turn turn it on year in year out. I think maybe towards the end of that five-year contract he might um he might be getting rotated a bit more and he might just be like a, a bit of an old head around the squad but i think to anthony's point it absolutely is a you know it's a real um yeah it's a real statement of loyalty and and, th- and a basically a big thank you for what he's done so far and and what we want him to continue to do and lead us on so I think there's it, it's great that we it's great that we tie him down because we you know there is a danger of taking him from granted you know Rogers was sniffing around when he went to Leicester and, you know, he would have quite easily slotted in there and, and most Premier League teams. Uh, and so to secure him and to also say, look, you know, you're a big part of, of what we've got to do here. We want to continue to lead from the front. Um, and hopefully, yeah, it's, it, you don't sign a new contract just for the extension in years. It's, it's obviously for more cash. So hopefully that is part of an overall leveling up on wages, which uh, should, uh, should, make it nice and easy for the next batch of I think there's a comment there from Mickey Monaghan saying uh, you know it allows us to get get the next batch of superstars in on higher wages so certainly hope so exciting times if that's the case uh, I think we're all a bit uh, you know a bit a bit sort of definitely excited but also a bit impatient to we've had you know we've now had three um, contract extensions there was a sort of semi-cryptic post um from Celtic Twitter, you know, from Celtic's official Twitter to, you know, sort of loading and indicating there might be a couple more to be extended, which I think is possibly the next topic. So we're, we're excited about tying players down, but we're always excited to add to the squad and, and sort of that will be how we really sort of take us to the next level. So yeah, exciting times ahead. You got anything you want to add there, Anthony, to, to that? Oh, the only thing I was I was thinking was that the five year deal might be a way of Celtic structuring the payments so that they're not paying more in three years, if you know what I mean. So it might be a way of actually sort of trying to um, spread that out a bit. Um, so I know I think UEFA has brought in a rule now where you can't sign players on more than five year deals because I think there was some clubs down south maybe try to sign like eight, ten year deals just to try and dub the financial fair play thing. So I think yep, the possibility there, the five-year deal was maybe structured in such a way to maybe assist with, well, expanding the way structure, not getting it completely out of control. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think the rate he's going, hopefully he's still run boss in the midfield when he's 35 anyway. Yeah, the, um, the thing that they did with the structure with five-year contracts was more something Sean's t- told us uh, many times on the podcast is, Amortization, I think they call it, where the for financial fair play, if you sign a player for ten million on a five-year deal, then if he stays for the full five years, then from financial fair play perspective, he counts on your on your balance sheet as two two million pound a year for the five years of his contract. So clubs like Chelsea, when they signed Mikhail Mudrik, they signed him on an eight-year contract so they could spread out the hundred just under a hundred million over eight years. So it's like 12 million on their balance sheet each year, instead of it being, you know, a four year deal at 20 million a pop or 25 million a pop or whatever. So 
that's the reason that they've changed it all. So, yeah, I don't really think it would affect the wages too much, yeah. but with the wages, I think how you'd want to try and do it with someone like Kelmac would be like, okay, for the next three years, we're going to pay you a crazy amount, but then in the age 34 and age 35 season where we should be scaling back the amount of games you're playing, we want to reduce your wage a little bit in those two years so they're paying more for three years to offset for two. That's how you'd think it would work. Like I know that's what a lot of NBA teams and that do over in the States, but it'd be interesting to see how that happens because you wouldn't want to be paying someone like Kelmack with the amount of games he plays, you know, like paying him 45,000 pound a week at age 35. If he's playing 45, 50 games a year, plus internationals, like his legs quite possibly could be gone by then, but We'll see how it all plays out. Now, okay, I'll bring up some of the comments before we crack on to the next topic. So Andrew Galea was, I'll concentrate on keeping the midfielders we have rather than adding an over, overpaid gamble. James Floyd was, sounds good to me about Kalmak now, Hatate. Mahesh's comment is, just a theory, wonder if signing Kalmak was also a defensive action against Spurs coming for him. Spurs have injury problems with their best sixes about protecting our assets, so that makes sense. Mickey Moynihan, I wonder if James Forrest's neck will be offered an extension. Harsh. Andrew Glatt, if we do buy an expensive midfielder, then O'Reilly is the one to sell. I don't agree with that per se. Depends on what position we sign the expensive midfielder. If we get a European quality starting number 10, maybe, but... Stephen Ray's comment, which is the next one, is what I agree with, but I don't really think we need to sell Hatade and O'Reilly because Stephen Ray is saying Celtic having the region of 37 first-team players, at least 12 to 15 of them don't contribute. We need to upgrade several first-team positions to be Champions League ready. We need to move on the non-contributors. Now, if you take 10, 12 of those players off the wage bill, there's two big contributors quite comfortably added to your, your lineup that you're not going to have to find the wages for. You just have to find the transfer fee. So that's in an ideal world, that's the best way to tackle it. Probably going to have to pay some of those players off, I would say, unfortunately. Um, yep. And and that's the nature of, of what we do. So you know, maybe that is where somebody that you'd ideally prefer to, 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 to keep maybe if you have to sort of try and balance the books, bring in, bring in a couple of expensive signings, maybe you need to sell one asset you would potentially prefer to keep to secure them. And, you know, God knows what a jet is on or yet is on, but I can't imagine it. He'd be cheap to get rid of. Um, and he's obviously not done anything anywhere else he's been. So I think, we, you know, if we want rid of him, we're probably going to have to pay him off. And there's probably one or two others. They won't all be on wages as big as him, but certainly come to some sort of agreement to to get them to get them off the bill. But um, again, look at somebody like McCarthy, right? He's what's he sitting on a three year with one one year contract with a with an extension, so four years. Um, so it's probably two to go. Um, nobody's going to pay him what we are paying him. So unfortunately, it's either pay him off or or stick with him. So uh, there's there's definitely a bit more balancing to do. I've noticed a couple of guys have said Turnbull is likely to be go. I think that's definitely the most likely that's been around the fringes of the first team. Um, he's, on, he's only got that one year left. 
he wasn't breaking in last year. We were looking to upgrade. Um, it, he, you know, he could easily have a good career. You know, bottom end of the championship, maybe or sorry, top bottom top end of the championship, bottom end of Prem. Certainly anywhere else in Scotland other than us. So, you know, he'll want to get his career back on track. He's you know he's been internationally capped. You can't. I can't think that we're not going to be too easy you know, too difficult to deal with to to potentially move him on and allow him to get first team games and and us to get a bit of a fee in his final year. Yeah, makes sense. So with that in mind, I actually have the list of the current first team squad's contract situation on the phone ready to go for you. If you want to go through it quickly, we can do that before we talk about the next topic, which is who do we think will be next to sign a new contract at Celtic? So that's our next one to talk about. But to do that, We'll go through the current contract status. So Joe Hart contract expires end of the season, 2024. Uh, what do we got? Scott Bain, 2024 contract expiry. Seagrass, 2026. Alistair Johnson, 2027. Ralston, 2025. So this is the season ending that year. Just make it easier for everyone. Greg Taylor, contract expiry, 2025. Burner Bay's 2027, Starfelt's 2025, Carter Vickers 2026, Scales 2025, Welsh 2025. One that I completely forgot about on the pot when, when we're going through it all, Azaza Yuragiri 2025, Kobayashi's 2028, McGregor's 2028, Batade's 2026, O'Reilly's 2026. Awada, it says here, Awada signed for Celtic on a long-term deal after his initial loan from Marinos, but we don't actually have the length of the long-term deal that he signed. Turnbull, 2024, so, so at the end of next season, he's out of it. Uh, home, he's got till 2028. McCarthy, it's 2025. Liam Shaw, there's another one, 2025. Sorrow, 2024 season. Mikey Johnson, 2026. James Forrest, 2025. Haxabanovich, 2027. Abada, 2026. Kyogo, 2027, because he's just extended. Maeda's 2027, because he's just extended. And Tilio's 2028. And O is 2028. And a Yeti is out of contract at 2020, end of 2024. So, end of this season, he's out of contract. So, there's quite a lot of players there who should be moved on and only a year or two out. But if you could find someone like, for, say, for Shaw and Irrigidi, for instance, you could find someone who's willing to give you, just, you know, take them off your, off your books and just pay them out for it, whether it's wages, just on loan for the rest of the season until their contract's out or just take them on a free or whatever, then that still counts as taking them off as well. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net-zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I um, there's two, ca- there's two categories there. There's the categories of players that you want to just get rid of because they're not like you know as you say they're not contributing they're never probably ever going to contribute they're just developing at other clubs um but they come back for preseason and they go out again and it's like well you know at some point you've started to draw the line and say it's just not going to work for you here you know let's not you know let's not turn you in another carbon cart of victors where you're sort of like getting loaned out here there and everywhere let's find you a a forever home um and and and, and get you signed with someone so yeah you're a dd shaw Liam Stales, I mean, he had a he had a, you know a reasonably good season at Aberdeen, but does that mean he's going to be good enough to step into Celtic? I can't really see that unless you see something in preseason. Um, definitely the likes of McCarthy, um, Ayeti is obviously the obvious one. We've obviously torn up um, Barkas's contract, so if we could do it for him, then you know we might have to do it with Ayeti as well. It's a bit of a sort of a cross benefit thing there. Um, and then obviously, you know, Turnbull's an obvious one because he's only got one year left. And I guess the next week is going to be interesting because obviously if there's going to be contract extensions and he's not one of them, then you would think that it would be good business for Celtic to move him on now and get something for him rather than keep him for another season and he walks out for free. Um, so if we're in the business of, of buying players and selling on, then we should be doing that this this window. Um, and then I still think there's potential to lose one of Abada, O'Reilly, or Hatate. I still think one of those three may go, um, just as that extra sort of like that turnover. And I think, you know, as much as I don't want any of the three of them to go, I think it's still important that we are constantly turning the squad over and having bringing new players in so we don't get stale, it gets fresh. So, I mean, maybe O'Reilly's the one that stays because he had some pretty positive comments about um, Brendan Rodgers um, at one of the interviews that he did, compared him to Andrew's style where Andrew's very standoffish. And, you know, and then he's like, oh, Brendan comes and sits and has lunch with us and stuff like that. So that was an interesting insight into the differences between the two managers. Um, and then uh, on top of that, you know, with, with Aaron Moy retiring, um, that kind of opens up that number 10 slot. So... A, it's a position we probably need to recruit in, but then B, maybe O'Reilly's thinking, well, I can maybe make this my my position this season. So interesting. We'll see how that sort of develops um, over the next couple of weeks. But I think the next couple of weeks will be quite telling, both from who else we extend contracts, if, if it's to believe that we're going to do that for a couple more players, and then secondly, who we start bringing in, what sort of positions are we recruiting um, in because um, that can sometimes be a bit of an indicator that maybe someone's on their way out if we think we're a bit overloaded in a certain um, a certain position as well. Yeah, so just on that, I'm looking at something quickly here as well. So where you're saying about, you know, we'll know in the next couple of weeks, yeah, I'd agree with you because you go, Turnbull, is he going to get extended? If he doesn't, yeah, sell him on. But then you go, who's going to be that guy to step into the number 10 role? Because I think we need someone in that role for Europe 
Are we going to recruit someone for that role? Are we going to give O'Reilly a crack at it, as you're saying? Are we going to sign a number six and then push Kelmack or Hatade further forward? Are we going to play Haksabanovic there? Because a lot of there's been a lot of talk on the pod about seeing Haksabanovic in that role and that he would actually reckon that would suit him better than playing him on the wing. So there's a whole bunch of different situations there that, that are still to play out. That So I think as I, this is what I was just looking up is when we start playing friendlies and we've got one against Port and Menezi saying tomorrow at 2 a.m. So that's our time. So that's tonight. So it looks like there's a our first friendly of the preseason is happening pretty soon in Portugal. So we play them tomorrow and then we play them again on Saturday. So we've got a couple of friendlies coming up in the next couple of days and then we're off to Japan. So I think by the time we come back from Japan, we're going to have a lot of, um, you know, I think that number 10 position will kind of jump up a little bit for us. Um, Another thing for me as well, looking at it is you were talking before about scales. I would hang on to scales for the time being and not sell him straight away for a simple reason. I want to know what's going to happen with Welsh first because Welsh is at that age where if he's not going to break into the first team here, he, for his career, he probably needs to move on. And there's always those players over in Europe or um, in Italy, clubs that are coming in, what they're always linked with him. Now, I know we need to keep him for homegrown reasons, but I think um, you could always just keep Boson Lawwell or someone like that in the squad from the B team, just promote him for that, that reason to cover that spot as your fourth or fifth centre-back if need be and to keep it on paper, and he could potentially move on. If he does, then Scales would fill his role unless we recruit someone else. So, yeah, there's just a bunch of different variables there to play out. We definitely need another centre-back, right? So I think there's a there's a there's a bit of a valid point at least in the very short term on scales Jared but I, he's, for me I certainly don't think that he's the solution to either our third or fourth choice uh center half so I agree with you Paul. saying that's yeah. what he, I'm just saying in the interim until yeah, we no, recruit no. something yeah, out. it's just it's just yeah. a bit of you know managing the revolving door a little bit but for me you've mentioned Welsh for for his own sake right Stephen Welsh probably needs to leave. Um, if it's, you know, if he's definitely had offers from Italy and, and other clubs on the continent. Look at the other young players that have gone there. They've really pushed their careers on. You know, guys like Lewis Ferguson, Josh Doig, Aaron Hickey, who's then stepped back to the Premiership. Um, it, you know, most of them have left from, you know, they've gone out there from from other clubs. They've not gone from from a club as big as Celtic. So I think, I think it would be, you know, Let's take the Celtic hat off for now. What's best for Stephen Welsh is to go and play first-team football. And if he can go play first-team football at a reasonably high level in Europe, that's great for his development. And and look, if we look further, you know, who knows where he where his ceiling is? You know, he hasn't looked like he, he's been quite capable to make the step up, but at other times he's, he's you know, he's filled in. Um, he probably hasn't benefited from having somebody really solid and and stable next to him for a lot of times that he's filled in. Um, so I, I definitely think, you know, he should go and he go with his blessing. He's a young player who, you know, and really needs to, 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 to take a step further forward in his career. And I think that's probably away from us. Um, I don't think scales is at the level. So he's out the door. Kobe Ashley's a major question mark. Um, but we know that, 
Rodgers has got a track record of developing players. So for me, that, you know, when the dust settles on this, you're looking at at least one high quality centre back signing, potentially even two, um, unless they think that there's somebody that's um, ready to be promoted from the B team. And by all accounts, Boston Loyal's Lowell's not there. Um, there was a high hope for Dane Murray until he got the injury. I don't know how Dane Murray's progressed since he came back from that injury. Um, but he's, from what I gather, he might be the most likely if he's going to make a full recovery from that. Um, obviously, that injury came at a really bad time for him because he was actually starting to get minutes. Um, and whilst we wouldn't have probably wanted him to remain as a absolute first pick, him being in and around the fringes of the first team for that couple of years under Ange would have been great for his development. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I think I think we definitely need... And that's bear in mind, this is assuming that neither... Um, Carter Vickers or Starfelt goes. So I think Carter, Carter Vickers um, would probably safe for at least this window because of the injury. Um, and, you know, without veering too much into the next contract, you know, topic, he, you know, he might well be one of the ones that gets offered another contract. Um, Starfelt's an interesting one, right? His missus has just gone to sport in Lisbon. Um, much to our uh, uh, upset. Uh, so, you know, does does that unsettle him? Is, is, or is he going to you know, take along with a long distance relationship between uh, between Lisbon and Glasgow. So, if we lost Starfelt, for example, yes, we'd get good fee for him because he's contracted. But that's then you're needing two quality centre backs, um, and, and you know you'd need that's on top of what else we're talking about. Welcome, Liam. Good day, Liam. How you doing? Hey. Hi, Liam. Sorry, sorry, guys. I was uh... just having oh. a pot now. Aye. It took a wee bit too long on my, my pre-game pop the door there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so anyway, my, how are we doing? We good? Yeah, we're good. We're just talking about um, like the squad overall and who we think will be the next player to get a contract extension. Hmm. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the next in line should be, should hopefully be um, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Um but um, Hatati is another one that, that kind of concerns me a wee bit that Maeda and uh, Kyogo have both been announced and he hasn't. You know, he signed at the same time as Maeda. So is there a reason why he hasn't got the new contract yet? Because um, I'm sure in an ideal world, we want him to be part of the plans going forward. Um, so hmm, I hope there's a... You know, I hope there's not a negative to that side of it and that it's just a case of tying up the details. But the longer it goes without him signing another contract, the more worried I get about his future. So, Sorry, Jared, you can see where my uh, my loyalties lie on that particular deal. I absolutely think that he should be he should be getting one as well. Um right in the comments of Tarizovsky, that's why. Don't yeah. upset like Right. <laughs> now, nah, so Anthony Paul, just quickly, do you, who do you think should be the next player to get a contract extension? If the if you read the thing on the tweet, it had like five squares and three are filled, so there's two more to come. If you're reading between the lines, um, who do you reckon? I, I being a, an extent half myself, I hope it's um, CCV and Starfelt because I think a lot of our success is based around that partnership. Um, and while it'd be great to recruit a better centre half, um, you know, I think you've got to 
again reward and try and protect what you've already got and that's a very solid partnership so i, I definitely think you know if i wouldn't be i wouldn't be disappointed if it was you know disappointed i'd be happy if it was those two i mean hatati obviously but i think like what Liam just said there's that sort of feeling that maybe he's the maybe he's the one that, that that's that's growing but we'll see you know again you want to keep everybody but you know like i said i think they're yeah, two center halves paul what do you reckon well look ccv is definitely arguably our best player last season as well as kyogo so even though he's he's you know recovering from that injury by all accounts he's recovering quite quickly from that injury which is great i yeah i'd absolutely tie him down you want your spine solid right so we've tied up kyogo we've tied up kalmak um we've tied up okay Mira's not the spine but he's we've tied him up and yeah it would make sense to tie up at least one if not both the center backs obviously i'm keen to keep hatati as well but i to the earlier point i do think that there's an opportunity um crazy as it sounds that that he you know he could go um because he you know he's got a decent length of contract he'll be highly valued he would get a good would get another good fee for him um and as good as he is i wouldn't say he's irreplaceable whereas you know finding a solid building you know you, you want your partnership at the set and center back to be rock solid because obviously if you're leaking goals then you've just got to score that that much many more that that amount more um so i'd, I'd obviously got the shot on i'd rather keep the three japanese and get them all extended but i, I do think if one of them's not going to happen it probably hitati throw a couple of names into the mix in terms of extensions i'd like to i'd love to see a badder sign for an extension obviously there was um a lot of talk that he's um you know he was unhappy not surprising you know what i mean the, the the contribution that he's he's provided um and he's basically had to do most of it from a sub subs bench in the second the second season you could understand why he wasn't interested in extending but um if we assume that with mayor's extension he's going to be holding down the left the left wing position with jota gone the right wing positions bang up for grabs uh, and for me abada would be perfect um in in his last stint rogers played the wingers much closer to the striker um and therefore got much you know way more goals um and it would be great if you know he'd be he'd be absolutely perfect for that so you know i'd be keen to get he's still got three years left on his deal but i'd be keen to show some intent um and give him another contract uh, and and make him a key part of that front line yeah for me i agree with you paul it's got to be a barter it's got to be one of them i think the chance with jota moving on it's i'm not going to say addition by subtraction or whatever it is but like in a barter situation it probably is because now we've got the chance to go out there and be a regular starter on the right so and then that means mayada will be on the left or whatever so That'll all work it out, work good for him there. So I'd like to see him get the new contract and become a regular starter. Um, and then talking about the two centre-backs, Carter Vickers is the one that needs to be extended. And I was talking to Willie about it on a Tim Talk we just recorded earlier today and it'll be out next week. But Carter Vickers is the most complete centre-back I've seen at Celtic since Virgil. Like every other one that we have has a mistake in him or whatever. And the only thing, the difference between their two games that I can see is Virgil's at six foot four, six foot five, and Carter Vickers is six foot. So if he was that little bit taller, 
he'd be going all the way to the top in an EPL level or in continental Europe or whatever. But being that solidly built six footer is, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I reckon going against him particularly. But then say if he does well in the Champions League next year for us or this season coming up for us, then, yeah, that's uh, it's a good good spot to launch from. So I'll bring up a couple of comments here. Uh, what do we got? So I'm just trying to find one here. Kevin Mullen was Strachan's laptop signed a new three-year deal. <laughs> yeah, and then we had a comment was, could you ask Liam if there's any quality goalkeepers in Japan? I think we've already touched on it. Andrew Galea has answered it. The only good keeper in Japan is an Aussie. That's Mitch Langerak. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's the one area where Japanese football is still pretty weak is, is goalkeepers. If you look at the the Japanese national team, you know, for years, Kawashima was the number one and the guy lasted less than three months at Dundee United because that's the sort of level that he was at realistically. Yep. And then we've got Kevin Mullen with another comment. Heard we're looking at Rob Holding from Arsenal. My bro is a Gunners fan. That's the rumours down there. Yeah, that's been bouncing around for a while as well, but he'd be somewhat decent, I believe. I think the wages could be questionable. That's or anything I, I reckon there. So, um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll leave that topic there. But I wanted to um, – I was going to start the show off, Liam, set you up from the from the first bounce here. It was going to be Nader signs a new three a new four-year contract extension at Celtic. So I wanted to get your thoughts on it being the guy who was talking up Maeda coming to the club before it even happened in the way I was talking up Tilio. So I'll give you a couple of minutes here for the, the Liam's rant to say, as I told you so sort of thing, and then we'll crack on to the next topic. No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for Maeda. I'm delighted that um, that obviously Brendan Rodgers is happy to move forward with him in the team because there was a lot of kind of back and forth with different people in the media and, and, you know, different people on different podcasts as well saying, uh, is Maeda a Rodgers-type player? They weren't sure. Clearly, ben, Brendan Rodgers thinks that he is, and that's why he sanctioned this new contract for him. Um, I, I think it's great. I, I really do. I, I really um, I think that we know Brendan Rodgers likes wingers, and I think he looks at Maeda and thinks there's the tools there to develop something really special if we, if we can just refine He's got the speed, he's got the work rate, he just needs to work a little bit on the fundamentals and I think Rogers is the type of coach to get that out of him. For me, Liam, I'll look at it and go, and I've said it before, Like, I think he's done a serviceable job for him on the wing, but I think Rogers is looking at it going, Kyogo is my starting striker, Maeda is my backup striker and O is my developing third string guy and then we can bring in, whether it's at uh, what is his name, Tete or something from Shakhtar Donetsk, or we can bring in Yang from Korea to play on the uh, on the wing positions and we're all set. So that's what I actually reckon it'll be. We'll probably see him play a bit more centrally in there, but... Well, it's yeah. possible. It would suit the I way Rogers Liam's spot on. He, you know, the only the reason why some people had doubts, and I, I, I voiced a couple, although I'm glad he stayed, is, is around his, it's just his, a bit of his technical ability in terms of his control and his touch and his ability to link the play um, we know that Rodgers prefers um, you know to rotate the, and re- retain possession or rotate the ball um, 
pretty much constantly, you know, it can have any cost. We don't want to lose it. Whereas Ange was a bit more direct, um, albeit he did want to lick the place. So, um, but with somebody with that amount of pace, work rate, um, and, and he, look, he can finish. He know, absolutely knows where the goal is. Head, both feet. Um, he's a he's a real asset. And I think, yeah, Liam's spot on. If he can, um, if Rogers can just get a bit of work with him on the chain, you know, the training ground and just sort of tweak him a little bit, then you get him to a player that we otherwise wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to, you know what I mean? We, we've got, we've got these rough diamonds because if they were completely polished, we couldn't afford them. They'd, they'd be playing a, a, a richer club and getting more wages and costing more money. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to we grab these rough diamonds and polish them up and then ultimately some of them will move on. But I think um, it's a great bit of business to secure them. Who wouldn't, who, which manager wouldn't want a player that puts that level of work rate in every time he steps over the whitewash. Brilliant. Yeah, you raise a great point there, Paul. And just to add on to that, um, the thing about Maeda is that I've seen him play now for three different clubs and he's played a a different position with all three of them. He was um, a lone striker when he played for um, Matsumoto Yamaga. He was part of our front two when he played for Yokohama Marinos, and he's been mostly a winger when he's played for Celtic. So, you know, there's that versatility there. And it may well be the case, as Jared says, that Rogers has another role again in mind for him. And one thing Maeda has shown consistently throughout his career is adaptability. So he will refine his game to whatever the manager asks of him, and it'll be exciting to watch when he does. Let's grab some comments here. So... Got here. Everyone was lauding Maeda last summer. Uh, what do we got here? Then you got Robert's comment. Maeda's first touch is an elephant. Then about Yang. Yang hasn't impressed me, so people have been commenting on that. Um, for me, I'm like, you know, and Andrew's followed up with Tilio is much better than Yang. From what I've seen, I agree. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I would yeah. say in Yang's defence that he's playing in the worst team in the K League at the moment. So any player is going to look bad in that team at the moment. I just wanted to pick up Mahesh's point. Um, the last comment there, just Maeda was instrumental in us beating the Huns last season. He basically does shut down Tavernier. Just doesn't do him a sniff. Doesn't do him a chance to gallop up the park and whip in dangerous crosses. So I definitely, you know, I'm saying for that alone, but I think, you know, he's incredibly useful at nullifying Tavernier uh, in those matches. And then the other point I just wanted to quickly make was that uh, Maeda in Europe, I think, will be important for us. If Rogers adopts hit-and-run tactics against superior teams, I think Maeda with a bit of space could be deadly. And, um, you know, if he just gets his finishing just a wee bit more clinical, um, he could really light up the Champions League because if we sort of go a bit hit and run, he'd definitely be the guy you'd want. That that pace and that that pressure in their back line um, definitely um, has a role to play 
in those situations. I think Haksabanovic has got a, a role to play in those type of games as well. We saw him come late on in games when when teams were having to push up against us. But I think particularly the the cup final against Rangers, and um, you know, with a bit more composure, he would have he would have either had a goal or two himself, or, or be able to set somebody up. So um, I think Anthony's spot on. Um, there's there's the opportunity for for both those guys. But yeah, with me at his pace, just just lightning. I'm going to bring up his comment here from Craigie Craigie White. A lot more to come from Dazen. Brendan will polish his game. 100% agree with you on that, Craigie. And one other thing, mate, is I want to—I've heard a little rumor about uh, you getting a certain former Celtic player to sign one of our flags. So well done, sir. I think it was John Hartson or someone signed it for him. So at an Axon night. So well done. Um. So. Anthony, I'm going to throw to you about Connor Hazard departing for Plymouth Argyle. So I'll throw that over to you, mate. Well, I think, um, you know, just a quick shout out to Connor Hazard. He obviously has left Celtic. Um, he spent most of, he spent all of last season with Helsinki, um, but he's finally found a forever home. Um, I think we'll all remember Connor for his penalty saving heroics in the quadruple treble winning Stretch Cup final of 2019 2020 against Hearts played in front of no crowd. Um, I watched 12 minutes of highlights today, so you didn't have to. Um, oh, the defending was atrocious. I was like, who's that guy playing next to Julian? And I remembered it was Shane Duffy, and I was like, oh, my goodness, how did that happen? Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting to see how the worm turns. So the, the starting lineup, just indulge me for a couple of minutes here, guys. Hazard and goals, Chris Iyer at right back, Julian Shane Duffy at centre-half, Greg Taylor playing left back, Scott Brown and, and Cal Mack in the midfield with Turnbull in the middle, Christy on one wing, Elanusi on the other, and Eddie up front. And then, um, so the, the penalty takers that day were Griffiths. He came off the bench. McGregor scored his. Christy missed his. Mikey Johnson scored his. And that's one player that we haven't touched on. Is he going to have a contribution this season? Maybe that's a topic for later. And then Big Chris Iyer was the one that banged in the winning penalty. But this was after Connor Hazard had pulled two saves. So, um, didn't exactly cover himself in glory during the game, but he definitely um, goes into the Celtic, um, I wouldn't say legend status, but you know definitely a, a, a cup-winning um, goalie. And I think he had 11 first-team first appearances for Celtic, but that was definitely by far the most notable of the, of the lot. So all the best, Connor, with your uh, career moving forward. Yeah, but I have to agree with that. I'm just reading something that's been brought up in the comments as well here. The reports are coming in. We're trying to get Tete from Shakhtar Donetsk, which I mentioned earlier. Rogers worked with him at Leicester. Could be Jota's replacement. So apparently he was on loan at Leicester the second half of last season and at, at Lyon and Leicester. Um, he's out of contract at the end of this year anyway, but wants to rip his contract. He's 23 years old. Um. My question is really simple. We don't have a good history with signing Brazilians, but if you could get him on a free, then could be a, could be a Jota replacement. Well, his surname's not shite, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we and we picked Juninho when he was already past his best, and then refused to play him in his preferred position. So you know, horses yeah, no. for courses as well. I- I just wanted to bring that up for fun, have a bit of a chuckle. Raphael Shite does give me the gives me the fear, the PTSD. 
that cup yep. final gave me the fear because I actually remember hiding behind the couch watching that cup final because it was just literally like a roller coaster. It was like a ghost train. It was just it was horrific. And I watched the highlights. It was it was definitely bringing back PTSD moments for me. So yeah. Well, I'd completely blank Jane Duffy from my mind and from our history. So, um, so thanks I. for bringing that. Thanks for bringing that back up. Anthony. Between Shane Duffy and, and Raphael, I'm getting Vietnam-style flashbacks here. Let's move on. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I got all the shirts that season when they first went on with Adidas. I'm like, yep, got to get them. And I think they're all in a tub over here behind his flag, just under the Costco toilet paper and all that sort of stuff that you buy because I'm like, I don't even want to look at them. Now, that's how far buried in the pile they are at the moment. So, Yeah. Thanks for you reviewing that and bringing it back to my memory because now I remember I have those tops. (laughs) But anyway, um, you also put on the run sheet about Jota's goodbye message. Now, that was why I brought up the – I saw the comments about Tete and I'm like, you know, with Jota there. What are your thoughts on that, Anthony? I thought it was quite clever. I also thought I thought Christopher Nolan was directing Oppenheimer. I didn't realise he was directing Jota's Instagram video as well. Um, it was actually, it's typical Jota. I mean, like he's a bit of an artiste or whatever you want to call it, but he's definitely got something about him. And there was a lot of outcry that he didn't say goodbye to Celtic fans. And, and obviously, there was a, you know, it obviously took a bit of time for that theatrical production to be produced. So, you know, it got released and everyone loves him again. But I just think sometimes we can be a little bit precious as fans because ultimately they're paid to do a job, players and managers for that matter. And I think as long as they don't, walk away and disparage the, the club and to a certain extent the league that they played in. It was best of luck to them, you know, away you go sort of thing. But I thought it was a nice touch and I thought it was quite well done. It's quite funny. There's a few lines in there, ones about girlfriends and loving you, loving the fans more and all that sort of stuff. I mean, only he could get away with that. And in today's day and age, like most people would be, you know, I was saying cancelled or whatever, but like he, he just has a way of getting away with it. So Fair play to the guy. He's in Saudi Arabia now. Like, come on. Well, you know, I, I, you know, he's just, you know, he's done for a bit of a shock when he gets there when he starts training there. But, um, you know, like I said he enjoyed his two years. I we enjoyed having him for the two years. You know, all, all the all the very best. I saw a tweet today. He's he's already got a shock because uh, Ian Cathro is one of his coaches. <laughs> <laughs> And he's still, he's, he's, if anything, he's as white as he was when he left Hearts. And I don't know what he's been doing in Jeddah. It's obviously well, not been catching any sun, I'll tell you that. If Steven Gerrard can get a job, anybody can get a job, right? Surely. I mean, it's the thought. <laughs> I assume we've all seen Gerrard's interview with the best bit of Scouse Arabic you're ever going to hear. <laughs> I, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, my God. Comedy gold. Absolute comedy gold. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, anyway we'll uh we'll leave the saudi arabia talks there because i kind of like having my head attached to my shoulders so um we'll 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 move it along yeah that too and um yeah we'll just crack into the next one so hearts have announced that they're reducing their away allocation at tynecastle which means every team except for the handshake agreement they have with Hibs will only get 650 tickets for the games. So for me looking at this going it makes does it make sense for Hearts do they sell out enough tickets at all their games that that's to justify that 
or are they going to be was that making it going to make our t- our league look tin pot when there's bunches of empty seats scattered around the place like what Killy and those sort of guys do? So I'll throw to you, Liam. What's your thoughts? I think in the particular case of Hearts, this will be dialed back very quickly if we get ten games into the season and they are not in the top half. Um, if they are having a bad season, they're you know they're going to struggle to fill that stadium with their own support, let alone any other support. Um, you know, it's it's from the spectators' point of view, it's a shame. Say what you will about Hearts, about their fans, whatever. Tynecastle has got a great atmosphere. It's one of those real kind of fortress types of stadiums, even though it's quite you know I think it's only about eighteen thousand capacity or something. It's it's so tight and close to the pitch, and you know I've been to a couple of away games there as a Celtic fan, and going there and beating them is a really really good feeling because it is such a an intimidating place to go for the opposition, um, and they're definitely going to lose something of the uh, the essence of what Tynecastle is about if they're going to not have away fans there. Um, it really is a shame. Um, it's short-sightedness. It's thinking purely about the financials and not about the greater picture. Um, and this is why Scotland needs the same approach as the J-League. We need all of this stuff to be regulated by the governing body. Standardised pricing, standardised percentage of uh, tickets per game allocated to away fans, and have it set across the entire league. Um, the J League has it as such that basically behind one of the goals at every game is the away support. And they pay the same as the home fans behind the goal, uh, behind the other goal pay per ticket. Now, this means, of course, that the bigger clubs maybe would get less money because there's a standardised pricing model across the entire league. But at the same time, it means that when we go to when as Celtic fans, if we go to Kilmarnock or if we go to St. Johnson or if we go to Tynecastle, we're not getting price gouged like we were before. Um, you know, you, you, I, I mentioned this last night on Axon, the whole idea to me of two fans paying different prices to watch the same game simply because of the colour of shirt you're wearing at the stadium is just an absolute abomination. And if clubs can't be trusted to not abuse that, then governing body need to show a bit of guts and step in and do it for them. Liam, it's real simple, mate. There's a lot more honour in Japan in terms of that sort of thing. And speaking of honour, there's this old saying, there's no honour amongst thieves. Well, that says it all when you look at certain people who have run certain clubs in the past. I, I know it's different people now, but Hearts used to have a crook in, in Roman of running the show and, and you look across at Sevco and what they do, and you're like, well, Dave King, anyone? <laughs> so it says it all. There's no honour amongst them. is quite an honourable man, to be fair. He did all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your thoughts on it, boys? Now, I, I don't like it. And ultimately, the league let the Huns get away with it. So now other clubs are doing the same thing. And that's the thing. If, if the league had stamped it out when the Huns tried to restrict, like, you know, Celtic going to Ibrooks, then none of this would be happening. But because they let them do it, then other clubs are then going, well, if they can get away with it, we can get away with it. So I just, the way I look at it is if the league would just actually stand up and just say, look, you've got to allocate a certain percentage to the away fans, not negotiable, 
got to happen. This was sort this out tomorrow, but the league's ties itself up in knots trying to keep the Huns happy. You know, the whole thing with the sponsorship and all that. So until they like actually do something and actually, you know, for the good of the game, um, nothing's going to happen. It's just going to get worse. And I think, as it was shown and yourself just said, it's tin pot. That's what it is. It's not good enough. Paul, we'll give you the final chat on this topic before we crack on. Yeah, look, from a fan point, from a fan point of view, from a spectacle point of view, it, it's pretty poor, right? You know, the you know, way fans help make the atmosphere at, at a game, at a ground, and Liam's right. Um, Tynecastle's a bit of a fortress. It's a horrible, poisonous atmosphere that they produce, but. You know, with away fans, you get a bit more of that cauldron effect rather than just being one-sided. I think, you know, I agree that there should be some sort of standardization in terms of a minimum amount of tickets, whether that's a percentage or a or a, or a volume number. We can argue over the the nuance of that. I've I've, I've seen this this conversation play out on Twitter um, from a number of the smaller clubs in Scotland for the last couple of years, and. Every time uh, a Celtic or, in some cases, a Rangers fan tries to make the point that, oh, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you know you could you could be earning more money, they nearly always pipe up and say, "But we also, you know, we all." So two things: one, they say the the large away traveling support that Celtic and Rangers bring puts local families off because of the atmosphere that gets generated so you can you can argue that or not and they also say that it doesn't actually generate that much more cash because they they outlay on policing stewarding and all the other bits and pieces um and also that you kind of lose some of you know you're effectively turning you know if you if you feel like two sides or three sides in some cases which i think some some clubs do then you're effectively turning a home game into into an away fixture in terms of the volume of support. So I play a little bit of devil's advocate in there in terms of how to balance that, but certainly pulling them down to that tiny number is daft. Pricing's definitely an issue. Um, I I don't know how much that corner holds at Celtic Park, but if we flip it around and again, let's not be completely myopic. That's not a great place to watch football as an away fan with that big pillar in that corner and I know that's a grievance from from away fans coming we'd have to be willing to wear that same percentage and it was, as the biggest ground in Scotland that means having more away fans available to come in I don't know where our season tickets sit at the minute maybe it's between 53 and 55,000 so they're roughly would be what five five to six seven thousand seats so that would work out at you know 10 percent give or take um is that the number I know that in in Germany they've got a better approach to this I've seen um I've seen uh, a few people tweeting about the German situation and we know that their ticketing is is just generally better. It's more accessible. The ticket price is cheaper. There was a period in the last, what, five to 10 years where you could fly from pre-COVID, you could fly from the UK to Germany on a cheap European flight, go to the match and get back and it was still cheaper than going to your premiership game in your own city. So we've definitely got an issue around pricing, this stuff around, you know, re, you know, keeping out fans. I've seen a couple of Hearts fans say it's because they reckon they'll, fill, they'll they'll they can sell more season tickets and fill that ground with. So look, if they can fill it with season tickets, and I double checked, well, you know, because I was surprised it was as low as as um, eighteen. It's only marginally; it's just under twenty. If they think they can get, they'd need to get what just over nineteen thousand season ticket. So season tickets. 
Um, fair play to them if they think they can get that, but I don't, you know, I don't think they'll be getting at that point. Um, so it's definitely got to be a balancing act. You know, I, I get that you want to keep your home ground full of home fans, but equally, you've got to have some away fans to create an atmosphere. And I think as somebody's just said, they're fans of the lifeblood of the game. You shut them out, then, you know, one of the best bits about being a fan is is going to away games and being in the minority and dealing with that cauldron and then the celebrations if you can get away with a win. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to get to a few away grounds in Scotland um, and we didn't always have the majority of, of the fan base there and, and certainly, you know, but a, a way day, a way day as a fan is a, is a great thing. Um, so, yeah, if we kill that, we kill a lot of the culture of fan base and, you know, we know what Jockstein said about, about the fans. Football without fans is nothing. So I think people need to wind their neck in and get, you know, just work for the good of the game. And that's one of the things that came out of the German commentary is that clubs and fan bases in Germany work together for a solution that's better for the good of the game in that country. We don't do that in Scotland. It's all self-preservation. It's all self-interest. There's always background bickering. And it doesn't matter who started that. It it just continues on. So until we get to find a way for clubs to work together, it, we're never going to progress it. Franny McKeown in the comments is saying Scottish football is becoming more poisonous and petty. Preventing away fans from going to support their team will kill the game. That pretty much ties into what you're saying there, Paul. So we'll leave that with that topic there. Just want to quickly touch on, we don't need to go into it in any depth, but Celtic versus Wolves, which was supposed to be in Korea, has now been rescheduled to be played at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin on the 29th of July. As I said last week, that's, if it was to be over there, that's great news for the Irish-based Celtic fans who travel over to Glasgow all the time. For me, that's just fantastic that they get the boys over in their home in their home country. So... Go and make a day of it, enjoy it, enjoy it, and uh, sing loud and proud, and I'll be tuning in from over here in Australia. And the only thing that was raised with it, Jared, was the fact it's the All-Ireland final at Croke Park the day after, so there's a bit of a concern over flights and accommodation, um, given the short nature of, like, obviously it's just been announced, so that's maybe the only bit of a donor but otherwise yeah great and probably far more accessible than korea and it's obviously a shame that the korea thing fell through but i think that was completely out of celtic's hands and was was with the organizers so i'm good that it's going forward nonetheless 100 percent. now sydney super cup have to (laughs) zombie watch sydney super cup situation that happened with the Huns pulling out and all that stuff. So best part is I'm going to throw to you, Anthony, for the rundown on this quickly. Give us a quick overview of what's happened. So basically there was going to be a lawsuit. Um, the Huns have negotiated a settlement out of court with TEG or TEG, um, who are the, the promoters and organizers of the Sydney Super Cup. So they've tried to spin this in a positive, but from what I can gather, they've agreed to do uh, a way, um, like some sort of overseas tour with in relation or in conjunction with Teg for the next three seasons. And obviously, Teg had them on the hooks. So the fact that it's not a court settlement, I suspect that they'll be doing these tours pro bono to pay off the the fee that they would have been had to have paid otherwise. Um, and then you've got a situation where. 
and you've got a situation where the Huns might be in a situation where they've got to qualify for Europe as well. So somehow they've got you know squeeze in these overseas tours. I don't know how it's all going to work, but it's just a again, it's just another day in the absolute cluster F that is Rangers FC, and you know they unfortunately they can't pay with chocolate buttons, so they've got to pay with something. Um, so they are pimping themselves out for the next three seasons. So uh, enjoy that. That's the other one I wanted to do. There we go. We're all set. Sucks to be them. Um, the talk is that there's like a European games. Oh, sorry, Southeast Asia games. Once I'm in North America, and these are the next three years, and then potentially back out to Australia or to just play some high-profile games over in Europe. So be interesting. Have fun with that. And let's see which cities get destroyed by their feral fans. Well, the funny thing is, when I was in Hong Kong, I remember there was quite a lot of Huns there. So they may look to go there. And if the Hun, if the... If the um, if the likes of the Union Bears trying to their pitch in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong police will absolutely rip them a new one, so that'll be fun to watch. Get the water cannons out, Liam. Uh... <laughs> All right. So to last topic we're gonna we're gonna chat about here. I'm just getting it open on my screen so I can do this. I put on here, we'll play some Would You Rather. So it's just I'm gonna go this is in tribute to Kelmac being our skipper. And signing his five-year contract. So we've played this in the past with Would You Rather. The best one of the lot was Would You Rather Tosh McKinley or... So that one went well. But the whole principle of it, for those who haven't seen it before, we basically go through and go, in this current team, if you were to get, say, Kelmac as your current skill, or and I'm going to go a former Celtic captain in their peak who would you rather in the current team? That's basically what it is. Does that make sense? I think so. So it's just, so it's just for, for a bit of laugh, basically. So it's, would you rather Callum McGregor or Danny McGrain? Anthony? Armourator, Callum Mack, because Greg Taylor's not too bad. Paul? Cool. <clears throat> Yeah, is it in his ordinary clothes? Um, nah, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go, Callum McGregor. I am. Yeah, Callum McGregor. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not old enough to have seen Danny McGregor play in the flesh, so I can't really comment on him. Fair enough. I would. I'll complete that. That. Um, actually, I'll be the only one that's different. I'll go McGrain, just for the simple fact that. You know, I always thought McGrain was was he a left back? Oh, played both. He, he, he started his career. Ball. He started his career at right back, and then he ended up covering left back with. Because I remember, him, I remember him mainly at right back, and I was thinking in in this current team, I think we've got more coverage in the midfield than we do at right back. So if it was to play right back, then I'd be like, yeah, McGrain, and then Johnson can back him up. There we go. Next one. Would you rather? Jackie McNamara or Calmac? I'm going to go Calmac again. Same, Calmac. Calmac. Yeah, Would you rather 
Neil Lennon or Cal Mac? Cal Mac. Cal Mac. Depends. Are we talking football or a square goal? <laughs> <laughs> or a drinking sesh? Right. Um, Cal Mac. Yep, same. Cal Mac over Lenny. Um, let's go one way back that none of us would have seen play. Would you rather Sean Fallon or Cal Mac? For my time, so I have to say Cal Mac on that basis alone. 1952-53 season. Yeah. I'll go Cal Mac. This is why we need to play another Coronation Cup. So so Cal Mac can, <laughs> can get that one in his in his cabinet. Yeah, Sean Fallon. I read Sean Fallon. Well, we're on about Sean Fallon. His auto, uh, I don't know if it was his autobiography or just a biography on him, but it's called Iron Man, and it's uh, it's well worth a read if you haven't already done that. Yep. I've heard that book, actually. Someone was going to send it to me, and then it never happened. Fun times. Okay, we've got two more. Would you rather... Ah, this is a tough one. Would you rather... Tom Boyd or Kelmack? Is this in the commentary studio or on the football park? In the football pitch. It doesn't matter. <laughs> take Kelmack and Boyd. Oh, I love Tom, but Kelmack. Cal, Cal <laughs> I assume that, that wasn't mine I was going to pick. I thought, no, nah, I'll throw that in for an extra one. All right. Paul McStay or Kelmack? I'll go Paul McStay on this one. It's like he does he he deserved a run in a really good team and he sort of had a lot of played in a lot of very average teams. This may I'll jump in, it's the Maestro every day, my all time favourite Celtic player. So sorry, Cal Mac, but you just don't win that one. My boyhood hero as well, so I'll go the Maestro as well. And Liam. Well- this is why I'm not on Twitter anymore. I'm going to say Cal Mack. Um, phenomenal player, Paul McStay. But um, just personal opinion only, I think he was a wee bit overrated. Ooh. What the hell was that? Yeah. yeah. I'll just uh, I'll, I'll just save you the trouble and just commit seppuku right now, okay? Um, <laughs> just see yourself out there, Liam. Uh, <laughs> right, there we go. All right. All right, last one. Just because I want to set the uh, the comment section nuts for anyone who's still hanging around. Caesar or Kelmack? Oh, I don't want to steal my um, my Tim talk here, but I actually managed to meet and shake hands with Billy McNeil. So I'm going to say Billy McNeil. Caesar. I was going to. I would be saying Billy McNeil for me too, cause just because we need another centre back. Same reason I started with the first one. Paul? Yeah, Big Billy. Yeah, I'll say Billy McNeil as well. Um, forgetting what a great player he was, but also he uh, had one of my funniest moments of meeting a Celtic player was when I met him. And uh, it was a, it was about a week before I was moving to Japan and we were at a sportsman's dinner and the two guests of honour were Billy McNeil and Alec Ferguson. And it got to about half 11 at night. Two of them were Absolutely steaming, right? And to be fair, my dad and I were what went far behind them. 
and we got we were getting autographs and photos, whatever, and um, we were just chatting to them. And my dad said, "Hi, my, my boy Liam, he's moving to Japan next month for a new job. So, sorry, so he's moving to Tokyo next month for a new job." And Big Billy went, "Oh, hi, son, you'll have some fun in Tokyo with all the Chinese birds." Brilliant. <laughs> 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 uh, all right, just, just for fun, so we can finish with a positive one for Calmac. Would you rather Callum McGregor? Or Steve McManus? Oh, yeah. Steve McManus was a very solid partnership there with uh, Coldwell, which beggars belief, but it was a solid partnership. But, yeah, Cal Mac. Cal Mac for me. Yeah, it, it barely needs said, but, yeah, Cal Mac. I just, because, I just, you know, two of the last couple, I'm like, nah, sorry. He didn't get the, he didn't get the chocolates there, so got to make sure we send him off on, on a positive. All right. So, thanks everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate it. All the comments in there as well. I've had a look at our stats recently and about 60% of the people watching the show aren't subscribing to the channel. So, please do so. If you if you like what we do, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell. So, when we go live, you get notified. You can find us on the social media on uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're on threads now as well. The other Instagram's Twitter version at Celtic Down. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube, Celtic Down Under, all the podcast apps. And you can also find us on the uh, Sports Social Podcast Network. We've joined that. So we're officially, our shows are out with them nowadays. So there's some support there. So, um, yeah, everyone, thanks for tuning in and we've got some final thoughts. So we'll go to you, Liam. Uh, final thought, I just want to, um, just to be serious for a wee minute, uh, this is the first show I've done since the, uh, the sad passing of Craig Brown. Um, had the pleasure of meeting the man a couple of times, lovely guy, great ambassador for Scottish football and uh, a much-missed personality. Scottish football's a darker place without him. Rest in peace, Craig Brown. Anthony, final thought? I just finished watching the big Arnie documentary on Netflix. Actually, pretty good. And like, just the guy had something in his head. He went, I'm a bodybuilder, and he became the world's best bodybuilder. And then he just did that with movie, be a movie star and not just be an actor to be the biggest movie star. And then did it in, in politics as well. So very interesting. Only three episodes, well worth a, well worth a watch. And Paul? Yeah, a couple of little recommendations from, from me. Um, uh, do my usual music. So uh, the band Daughter uh, Trio from London got their released their third album uh, just in the last uh, few weeks, I think the last few days even. Um, it's called Stereo Mind Game. Uh, so, yeah, they're sort of a uh, bit of a kind of indie folk, uh, a bit depressive, if you like that kind of thing, which I do. Um, so, yeah, debut album came out in 2013. Took them... 10 years to produce three albums but yeah they're worth a listen so uh, the band's called Daughter and the album Stereo Mind Game and this one's a bit of a I was late to the party on this one so some people might well be across this but uh, I've just been binging uh, Slow Horses on uh, Apple TV which is uh, a British spy drama with uh, the cast a great ensemble cast but led by Gary Oldman in what is rumoured to be uh, probably his last ever role Um, it has been uh, commissioned for a third season but there are two seasons already on Apple TV well worth a look it's called Slow Horses 
I was going to give a shout out. I thought that was a documentary about Kent and Morelos, so I never bothered with it. <laughs> Sorry. No, that'd be slow donkey. That'd be slow donkeys, Liam. Aye, I think we're all on the uh, referring TV show sort of things tonight because I've just finished watching um, Wu-Tang All-American Saga on uh, Stan over here. If you love hip-hop, you love that sort of musical stuff. Yeah, great. Really enjoyed it. So uh, it was good fun. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Hail, hail, and we'll speak to you next week. Hail, 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 hail. Hail. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.